chapter 8. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not, he who did not withhold his own son but gave, up, uh, gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this morning, something actually quite remarkable took place. I was minding my own business and happened to open up Instagram and noticed that there was a post with my picture on it, a picture that, frankly, I don't know that I'd ever seen, talking about how I wish I was Rocky Balboa. I, I knew nothing of this, and I've referenced Rocky Balboa exactly two times in 18 years of being a pastor, and today was the third time I was going to do it. I mean, so this is totally unplanned, so you know. But Rocky Balboa has always been uh, my favorite, and uh, there's lots that we could say about this. Uh, but that's a conversation for another venue at another time. But when Rocky Balboa got married, like anybody can scoop up their wife and carry her over the threshold, but not Rocky. Rocky got married, and he scooped her up and walked around the neighborhood, said yo to Paulie and Mick, and probably went over to the pet store where Adrian worked and said hi to everybody in the neighborhood. He just walked. And they walked all over the place, and I wanted to be like Rocky Balboa. So when I got married, uh, we got married in Estes Park, Colorado, because we were living in Colorado at the time. And when we got to the reception site, I thought it would be a really cool thing. And I picked up Robin, walked through the parking lot into the reception site, greeted people for a while, went to the bar. We just, just walked around like that for a while. And when I got out of the car and picked her up, and I turned around, our photographer was right there. I know, isn't it? We were seven. I mean, it was, and it was just this, this great moment. It was also before digital photography was really what the format that everybody was using. So this was done on film, which means that all of these pictures were taken, and after the wedding, we got the proof book, and we went through the proof book, and we picked which pictures we like, and we gave the proof book back to the photographer. The photographer then took all those pictures, put them into an album, and we looked at it a couple times and put it on the shelf and really don't ever look at it again. But that picture was in there. And it was for our seven-year anniversary. I might add, two months ahead of our seven-year anniversary, I thought, that's a great picture. I'm going to get one, a print of that picture, and I'm going to order it, and I'm going to have it in a frame so that when the anniversary happens, I can say, here. I'm really good. I'm just, I'm really good. I just want to say that. It was great. Um, 
And so I, I, I looked at this, and so in order to do that, I had to call Skillman Photography in Fort Collins, Colorado. We were living in Minnesota at the time. Skillman Photography sends me a stack of papers like this big, and I had to go through thumbnail, black and white thumbnail sketches, kind of blurry, and look at them, and then I picked the picture, and then I sent it back to Colorado, and then they printed the picture, and they sent it back to me in a week ahead of time, with a week to spare before our anniversary, the package came in the mail. And I was like, yes, I'm on this. And I opened it up, and this is the picture that was in there. <laughs> like, I look like I'm going to pop a hernia or something. Like, this is not right. And I'm like, and I remember looking at this, and I just couldn't stop laughing. I wasn't even disappointed. It was just, it was so absurd that it was, it was funny to me. And, and I just got thinking, there's a guy in a lab somewhere saying, well, I guess. <laughs> and and sent, it, sent it our way. And what's just as funny as looking at this picture is the contrast between the two. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Bear in mind, all of this took place I think, before Facebook, before MySpace, before... Is pre Y pre pre nine eleven pre Y two K. I guess what I'm saying is, this picture was taken when people were shorter and they lived closer to water. It was a long, long time ago. It was another era, and and uh, but if if we did get married today, it would be like other weddings that happened today, and we would do exactly the same thing. All of the pictures we'd get digitally from the photographer, and then there'd be you know sometime after the wedding the big photo dump on on Facebook or whatever platform you're using. And people would just enjoy it, and it's just a great way to share, uh, share of the day and, 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 and what happens. But I can guarantee we would not have shared B. That wouldn't have happened. Matter of fact, we would have never seen B, because the photographer would have just made that go away. We would have ne- never been, we would have shared A, and A might have actually been the, 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 the premier photo in the whole package, Right? Except that not quite, because if you look behind my neck in photo A, you can see something going on there. That is not my hair. That's my brother-in-law standing behind me, attending to some things. And so we would Photoshop him. He would have been Photoshopped out, and it would have been just perfect so we could focus on the couple of the day. Because we are constantly curating our image that we share. We are constantly pr- producing the stylized image and, and, and pictures of our day. We are all having a story to share about our lives, and these stories need proper illustrations. And so we want to, we want to, we want to share just, just that. But if we're honest with ourselves, our lives are a whole lot more B than A. Like, we live in photo B. That's 99% of our lives. I don't care if you are a rock star filling arenas, a movie star. I don't care if you're Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins or you or me. Life is lived in B, and every now and then we approach A. But B is where it is. That's where we live our lives. It doesn't seem that way, though, right? I mean, I, I know that I live in B, but when I look at what all of the conversations that we all have together or look at social media. I, it looks like y'all are living A. 
I, this weekend, bitter cold, driving snow, I'm snowblowing, I'm whiny about the whole thing, and I look at, at Instagram, and I've got a friend whose feet are in the sand and surf, and there's, like, there's a, the tropical drink with the bendy straw and the umbrella. It's like, or I've got another friend who's on the greatest hike ever, or New Year, New You, getting the great workout in. You have that person in your feet as well. We have, uh, oh, my personal favorite is, as I'm kind of whining, complaining about the whole thing, there is the guy that's like, yeah, it's Minnesota. We just put on an extra layer, and I took the kids sledding. Because not only is he tougher than me, he's a better dad. <laughs> right? He said that that's living their best lives yet. I sometimes I wonder if that's not the source of a lot of this weird perfectionism that we're dealing with. This perfectionist tendencies that we have, both individually and, and culturally. I also wonder how that affects the stories that we're telling ourselves. This, this whole series is called The Stories We Tell. But what if we talk about the stories that we tell ourselves? We look at all of this and the conversations we have and the images that we see and we just like, you know what, I'm just not that good. I'm just not that smart or, or funny. I wasn't invited to that thing. I wasn't asked to be a part of that celebration or, or, or that moment. I guess I'm not good enough. I'm not athletic enough, smart enough. I'm just not excellent. I'm just not enough of whatever. And that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing for adults. But I'm as concerned, if not more concerned, for the message it sends our, our kids. Right now we have adolescents, we have teenagers. And if you're a teenager or, or, or younger, you are the first generation who has no knowledge of a world without social media. You, you just don't, you don't know it. That's, it's just always been a thing. And therefore those messages have been in your face the entire time. It's like a grand experiment that we're doing, and they are the unwitting test subjects. So I wonder if it's not time that we turn the page on all of this. Adults and kids alike, turn the page towards uh, another story, another another way of being, maybe a, a more humane way of being, a way of looking at the world and being at peace with how it is. And I don't know how we get there, but what would it be to be able to look at your neighbor and just say, you know what? They're doing the best they can. What would it be like to look at that person that you struggle with? Maybe it's a coworker or a family member and just say, you know what? That person doing the best he can, doing the best she can. What would it be like to look at your family and you're like, you know what? We're, we're doing the best we can. What would it be like to look in the mirror, say, you know what, I'm doing the best I can. And that's not a cop-out. That's not giving in. That's, that's living with a little bit more acceptance, a little more peace, a little more grace. And don't we want a little bit more of that in circulation now? Through our lives, putting a little bit more peace and grace and acceptance into circulation circulation for, for this is, and seeing the world just as it is, as it is. Well, it, it, it's like me looking at, at picture B and saying, you know what? 
That was a good day. No, no, no. That was one of the best days I've ever had. That's the best decision I ever made. One of the happiest days of my life. Look at picture B, and Robin looks spectacular. And I ain't too shabby either. (laughs) There's a bigger story at play here. There's a bigger story at play here. This sits within something larger. It sits within the larger story of grace and compassion and love. And I hear that in the words of Paul in our story today. One of the very first Christians, his name is Paul, and he wrote letters. He wrote letters to all different kinds of faith communities, all different kinds of, of places, and he wrote a letter to a faith community, a church in Rome. And there were all, there's all kinds of confusion going on. Who belongs, who doesn't? The first Jesus followers, the first Christians, it began as a sect within Judaism, right? A, a group of, of, of Jewish folks who were followers of Jesus. But before long, and, and this, was, this was happening in other places as well, but in Rome... All of a sudden, there were people who weren't Jewish, who were Gentiles, and they were also following Jesus. Who's acceptable? Who's okay? Who is the recipient of God's love? Who's inside? Who's outside? All of those questions were on the table. And Paul says, in no uncertain terms, that what unites them is bigger than what divides them, and what unites them and what they all share in common is love. Listen to what he says. He says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. And all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is saying, and he's arguing, that there is absolutely no daylight, no separation between Christ and love and us. Nothing, nothing can separate us from that. And that love, as I said at the outset, symbolized by this candle, this light which burns brightly. We have a baptism. We'll light a candle and we'll hand it to the baptized person or the baptized family family of the, of the baptized. And anybody who's there, we always say, that light burns brightly. That's the spark of the divine that is not just in one person, but in all people. That is the spark of the divine. That is the spark of love that lives in you. That is the spark of the divine that burns just as brightly in A as in B. That is the spark which no picture can adequately capture, no filter, no social media platform can adequately display love could it be that that is what God sees when God sees you could it be that that is through this passage what we are called to see when we look at our friends when we look at our neighbors when we look at those people that we like when we look at those people that are kind of hard to like Love, 
Could it be that that is what you are called to see when you look in the mirror? Because we show all kinds of images to the world. Sometimes it's A, and sometimes it's a more honest B. But at all times, it's the image of God. The spark of the divine, it burns brightly in you. The spark of the divine, it burns brightly. It's love. And nothing can separate you from that love. Will you pray with me? So good to be here. And uh, something really strange happened this morning. As I, I woke up and I, and I, I don't know, I, I opened up, it was Instagram, and I saw a picture of myself posted that I didn't know was going to be posted. And I knew nothing about this. And, and this is the honest truth, and you need to know that. Because here's the thing. I've mentioned, I've referenced Rocky in a sermon twice in 18 years, I think. It has to be about twice. And my plan today was to talk about Rocky. A total coincidence, and the honest truth. So, yeah, so I was going to talk about Rocky because Rocky has always kind of been my hero. I've always loved Rocky. I've always loved the Rocky films and all of that. And that is a conversation that we can go into depth at another time and place and venue uh, than this. That said, when Rocky got married, he carried Adrian all over the place. Because anybody can just, you know, carry your, your significant other over the threshold, but not Rocky. Rocky gets married, carries her out of the church, through the neighborhood, says yo to like Mick and Polly, and goes over by the, by the probably the pet store where Adrian worked, talked to the, everybody in the neighborhood, and then made it home. He walked everywhere carrying Rocky, and I wanted to be like Rocky. So... When we got to, when I got, we got married, Rob and I got married, we were in Estes Park, Colorado. We were living in Fort Collins, Colorado at the time. And so we went to, uh, after the wedding, we went to the reception site, and when we got there, scooped her up out of the car, walked into the, across the parking lot, into the reception site, <laughs> greeted guests, <laughs> went to the bar. We, we, we just, I walked around for a while like that, but the moment when that happened, I scooped up Robin out of the car and I turned around and our photographer was right there and got this picture. Oh, I know, we were like seven. It was just, it was just that moment, right? But you also have to understand that this uh, digital photography wasn't really the medium that they were using so much at that time. So the way that this picture was taken and the way that we got all of our pictures is after the wedding, we got the proof book. And then we went through the proof book and picked which ones we liked. And then we gave it back to the photographer. And the photographer got the, the actual album together. And we got the album and Rob, we looked through it. And then we put it on the shelf and we never look at it again, right? So fast forward seven years, I think it was about seven years after this picture was taken. It's the end of March, beginning of April, and I'm like, hey, our anniversary's coming at the end of May. I was thinking ahead, seriously. I was thinking about that. 
I'm good. And uh, I'm like, yeah, our anniversary is coming up. And there's a picture that sits in that book on the shelf that we never get a chance to look. And it's just this iconic photo of us. So I had this, this plan, and so I had to call over to Skillman Photography in Fort Collins, Colorado, and they in turn sent me a pack of papers about that thick with thumbnail sketches, black and white, so I could pick which one I wanted with the order form information next to it, and I checked I want this one, and then I had to send it back through the snail mail to Skillman Photography. They produced the picture, they sent the picture back to me, it's a week before our anniversary, and it comes in the mail. And I am absolutely fired up because I am on this anniversary gift. And we're going to get this thing all framed up and it's going to look great. And I pulled it out of the envelope and here it was. <laughs> I look like I'm going to pop a hernia right there. I'm like, what is going on with that picture? And what, it cracked, and, and it didn't even, I wasn't even upset by it. And normally a guy like me would get upset by this, but it was just so funny the thought of some guy in a lab saying, oh, here he goes. <laughs> and they just send it off. I mean, everybody has their thing, I guess. And <laughs> that's the one they send. And it's funny, but it's even funnier when you look at them in contrast to one another. Uh, we all make decisions. We all make decisions. Uh. And here's the thing. You know, we did. We got married... Uh, years ago, I mean, it was pre-Facebook, it was it's pre-MySpace, pre-9-11, pre-Y2K, people were, back then, people were shorter, they lived closer to water, it was just, it was a long time ago, it was a different era, and, uh, and, and, and we got married, and if we got, it occurred to me that if we got married today, it would be just like every other wedding, right, as far as how we handle the pictures, right? You get the digital pictures back, and then you take it, and then you, and then you have the big the picture dump onto to, to Facebook and Instagram and whatever platform that you want to share it. And it's just a great way to see these pictures of these people. It's, just, it's a wonderful thing. And if we did it today, we would definitely not choose B. We would definitely choose A. And, and matter of fact, B, we would have never seen. That would have never existed. The photographer would have made sure that that evaporated and went away, never to be seen again. And we would have used A, and A might have been actually the, like the, the lead picture in the whole thing. Except not really, because if you look close enough behind my head, you see what looks like I have a mullet or something, but that's actually my brother-in-law's head. <laughs> that's Doug. And he's otherwise hidden behind me, except for his foot. Oh, it looks like I have three legs. Um, yeah, that would all go away. Because they'd touch it up. So that we could focus on the beautiful, happy couple of the day. We are constantly curating the image that we share to the world around us. And, it, and, and, and even as perfect as A is, it's not quite perfect enough, so we want to make it even a little bit better. We stylize our image. We're telling a story of our lives to the world, and good stories need good illustrations, and so we pick A and not B. But if the truth be told, our lives are all lived in B. That's, that's, that's where we're living. I don't, and I don't care if you are a 
a movie star of some sort or a rock star filling arenas. I don't care if you're Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins or, or you or me. 99% of life is lived in B. Every now and then, there's moments of fabulous that are A. But B is where we are. But it doesn't seem like that. I mean, like, I know I live in B, but sometimes I feel like everybody else is A. Everybody else. And I know this because I have conversations with people or I look at, at social media posts. Like this weekend, for example. It is below zero, driving winds, there is snow. I'm, snow, I'm whining, snow blowing, we're just kind of living in this thing. This thing, and then I look at Instagram, and a friend of mine it has that picture. You know the one. Feet. Picture. Sand. Surf. Tropical drink. Bendy straw and an umbrella. All right? I'm out in that. All right? Or, or the other one that's getting the greatest hike... Or new year, new you, get my workout goals in there. I'm whining about the weather. And then there's a guy out there who's like, yeah, we live in Minnesota, so I put on an extra coat. I'm going sledding and snowshoeing with my kids. Which means that not only is he tougher than me, he's a better dad. <laughs> right? I mean, like, I am like losing on all counts. Everybody is leaving their, living their best life yet. And I wonder sometimes if this isn't where our sense of perfectionism comes from. I wonder for us as individuals and this cultural ethos of perfectionism, if some of that doesn't also come from the way we perceive everyone else living in A while we're living in B. And then we, this whole series is, I wonder what stories we're telling ourselves, you know, the stories we tell, right? But I wonder about how this affects the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. I mean, I'm not that good, I'm not that excellent or funny or athletic. I'm, I wasn't invited to that event or that party or that celebration. Clearly, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not good enough or I'm not excellent enough, I'm not, you know, what, whatever enough. And that's a hard thing for adults. It's even tougher, I think, for our kids. We have adolescents now, teenagers, high schoolers, who have never known a world without social media. It's always been there. And that message is has always been out there, but it's even more so front and center in their lives in ways that, that has never been before. In some ways, it feels like this is just a grand experiment, and these are unwilling test subjects. I wonder if it's not time to turn the page on all of it. Kids and adults alike, how do we turn the page and begin to live into a new story, to, to live with a little bit more peace with ourselves about, how the, about our, the world and, and, and our place in it. And I have no idea how to get there. 
But I have a sense that it has something to do with the ability to look at our neighbor and say, they're trying the best they can. I think it has the ability, it starts with the ability to look at another person. Maybe it's a coworker or somebody uh, that you live alongside that you really struggle with and saying, you know what? They're trying the best they can. I think it has to do with looking at our, our families and saying, you know what? We're trying. We're, tr- we're trying the best we can. I think it has to do with looking in the mirror and saying, yeah, I'm trying the best I can. I'm trying the best I can. And that's not a cop-out or, or anything else. That's, that's trying to live in, with a little bit more acceptance, a little bit more grace, a little bit more peace about the world as it is and our place in it. And isn't it, wouldn't it be great to be putting a little bit more acceptance and grace and peace into circulation around us? For me, it's like looking at picture B and saying, yeah, you know what's going on there? The only thing that's going on there is, is absolutely one of the best days of my life. The only thing that's going on there is is just, just probably the happiest day of my life. Best decision of my life. Robin looks fantastic. And I ain't too shabby either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If my life is lived in that picture, if, if B is an example of my life, then that's a pretty good life that I'm living. And being okay with that being okay with that. Because there's something bigger at play here. There's something way bigger at play that not only holds B, but A and B alike. And that is, uh, I think, best explained by, uh, by our scripture lesson today. See, Paul is one of the very first Christians, and he writes letters. And he writes, he started churches, and he writes letters to uh, different churches in the ancient world. And he writes this, this letter to a church in Rome that's really kind of struggling, figuring out how they're supposed to live their lives. Because, again, Christianity, the first Christians were, were, were Jewish, and they, it was a sect within Judaism. It was a it was a group of, of, of Jewish people still practicing uh, their Jewish faith as, as disciples, as followers of this rabbi, Jesus. But eventually, and it's happened in other places, but especially in, in Rome, then there were all of a sudden Christians who were followers of Jesus who weren't Jewish. So you had Gentile Christians and you had Jewish Christians. And who was right and who was wrong and who was acceptable and who was not and who was who was doing things the right way and who was in error and all kinds of divisions and fractures and wondering about what it means to be a, a Jesus person anyways. And, and Paul writes this, this letter to them to encourage them, but also to teach them that in no uncertain term, the thing that holds all of you together, first of all, the thing that unites you is bigger than that which divides you and that which holds you together in no uncertain terms is love. And listen to what he writes. He says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is saying that there is absolutely no daylight between Christ and love and us. Nothing. Nothing can separate us. We are completely united and at one in this love. And for us today in this space, that love is symbolized by this candle. This light that shines between us. It's that divine spark. When we have baptisms, we light a candle and we hand it to the, either the baptized or the baptized family and we tell anybody who's there, that spark is the, the very presence of, of God and God's love and it burns in you and everybody. Don't forget that. That spark of, God's, of, of, of Christ and, and, and God's love burns brightly in all of us. And it is a spark which really... No picture can fully capture. No social media filter can kind of work and no social media platform can actually translate. But it's there. Love. Could it be that that's what God sees when God sees you? Could it be that that's what God is calling you to see when you look at your neighbor, the one that you like and the one that's kind of hard to like, could it be that that's what God is encouraging you to see when you look at yourself? We show all kinds of images to the world. Some are A. Some are a little bit more honest, B. But all of them are the image of God. And that's the divine spark. And that is love. It burns brightly. And nothing can separate you. Nothing can separate you from God's love.